You're listening to the First Fight Podcast, home of the people and stories behind the fight. I'm Jennifer Anderson, the host and creator. My goal is to give you a peek into the remarkable world of fighting and create a platform for fighters to tell their stories. In each episode of this series, a different fighter shares a transformative story of their first time. In this episode, I chat with Chris Ligori. Chris started fighting when he was just 16 years old and went on to have a long career in MMA fighting for various promotions. We take a stroll down memory lane where he shares his first loss that made him want more, his longtime relationship with Frankie Edgar, and gives a window into the struggles of the life of an MMA fighter. Chris is a true martial artist who stays sharp despite retiring years ago. He is a great guy to have around at the gym, makes everything fun, and I really enjoyed this. I hope you do, too. My very first MMA fight. Okay. Um, it was it was at Bama uh, fight night, which was uh, Dan Margliata, the UFC um, refs. He had a, a tournament back then. It was... Uh, it was an amateur tournament unless you kind of agreed on the rules in the back. Then it was kind of whatever you agreed on, you know. But uh, my first MMA fight was an amateur fight. So it was it was open hand to the face, close hand to the body, and no striking on the ground. And uh, I was – I think I had just turned 16. And I fought a guy who was much older. Guy, He was one of Henzo's guys, you know, a guy under Henzo. And I remember I got arm barred in probably about a minute and a half. And uh, I didn't know how to get out of it. I just let my arm go and it, and it cracked pretty bad. And uh, actually, my coach had to stop it, in the back, it from the corner because I wasn't letting go, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And then I wanted to quit after that. And then, and obviously, I didn't. And how many years people. later, you're still... I know I'm still freaking doing it. I remember <laughs> after that fight, I went outside the school. It was in, in South Plainfield High School in Jersey, in like Northern Jersey. And I went outside after my fight and I was chain smoking Newports. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the future wasn't real bright back then, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, first of all, what made you do this fight? What got you into it? Um, so a good buddy of mine was doing jujitsu. So um, I was like, a, you know, a troubled kid. Um, I guess like a neighborhood tough guy type type of guy. So I went to, to jiu-jitsu at a place and it was just like gi jiu-jitsu, which I freaking hated, you know? So I went for a couple of weeks and then one of the guys that was there ended up starting his own school, which was a little bit closer to my house. And it was uh, an MMA school. So back then, this was 1999. So back then, you know, MMA meant you really didn't know how to do anything real good. If you said, I'm an MMA coach, that means you really didn't wrestle too well. You didn't box too good. You're like, yeah, I can kind of do it all. So uh, when they went there, I liked that a little bit better, you know, more striking and just more more stuff that I liked. But I still had no intention of being a fighter. Um, and I was training for a couple of months and then the fights came up and he's like, hey, you, you want to try it? So I said, yeah, yeah. I figured I'd get one. And if I win, then I'll just retire as a winner. But then I lost. <laughs> so I had to get another one, you know. So. so that's why you went on to the second fight as you had to yes and my second fight was a kickboxing match and it was a draw 
So <laughs> I still didn't get the win. You know what I mean? So then I had to fight again. I'm like, all right, one more time. I won one and one and I'm done. And then I won and the feeling was freaking awesome. I'm like, this is, this is what I want to do. Yeah, nothing beats it. The, nothing beats it. Nothing the highs beats and the lows. It's pretty low, yeah. too. <laughs> I know, I know. But that's why the highs are so, are, are so great, though. Because, when you know, when you lose, it's, it's uh, you know, it's near suicidal. No matter where it is, whether it was in uh, a high school in front of 100 people or whether it was in a packed stadium, like, regardless, you know, you put yourself out there. So you went on to – you know, fighting professionally. And I mean, you still train today. You are like an anomaly because it's like you're in the, the civilian world, but you still have your foot in, um, you know, the world of fighting. You yeah. and Frankie are like, I don't want to say attached at the hip, but you guys are always r- rolling together and training. We are, still yeah, training sure. at the highest levels. I mean, how did you and Frankie first meet? Um, I'd already been fighting a bunch, you know, I think I fought about 10 times before I met Frankie. I had left the gym that I started with in the beginning, um, cause I wanted to be a professional and, and I saw that, you know, these guys just didn't know we didn't wrestle. Jiu-Jitsu was very bare minimum. So, uh, I heard about a gym in, in Tom's river that started up uh rhino fight team and my family is all from Tom's river. So I said, right, I'll go down there and try it. And, before I went there, one of my buddies who trained there a little bit told me about Frankie. And he's like, they got this kid, just came back from college. He's a great wrestler. Da, da, da. He runs a wrestling practice there. And that's all I needed was wrestling. So I'm like, I'm going to go there and try to find this kid and teach me how to wrestle. So then I met, when I met Frankie, he really didn't know how to fight. I didn't know how to wrestle. So it worked out pretty well in that aspect, you know. And then uh, we just hit it off as people, too, for, you know, from the beginning. Same, same kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys have a so, yeah, so I, I kind of became Frankie's first coach until we met Mark, until we met all these guys, you know? What has it been like, you know, being able to share this journey with someone that you're really close with? Um, it, It's awesome. Just seeing it, uh, seeing him from the beginning. Frank, Frankie was kind of the first guy that around our area that was really uh, can call himself a professional fighter. He paid his bills with fighting. He, you know, he made a life for himself. So um, for me coming from where I was, that wasn't even really a possibility. You know, it was like, you were going to fight. You were going to know how to fight the rest of your life, make a couple bucks, but you weren't going to be able to pay for your kid's college fund. You know what I mean? It wasn't mm-hmm. like that back then. So uh, for Frankie to do that and be able to do that and have the belief in himself, even at times when we, when we, when we felt like, oh man, this kid fucking screwed. You know what I mean? Uh, he's just a special dude. Just he, he did some special things, you know. Were there times where and, you had to like pep him up to believe the dream? Yeah, he's always got real blind belief in himself. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying like, uh, I, I can remember when, when we fought BJ the first time. Um, you know. We didn't want to. We didn't want to be like. Uh, we weren't going to be down on it. And we weren't going to. You know, we weren't acting as if like, oh man, we're, we're kind of fucked here. But that's how the whole world felt, and that's how the whole world made us feel. Frankie was the guy that believed. Like, why not me? Someone's got to beat him. Why not me? Mm-hmm. You know. So through that, he kind of gave us all the freaking confidence. Like, yeah, absolutely. Why not us? You know. And uh, he's done that time and time again in his career. He's yeah. always taken the toughest fights, even from the beginning. 
when I was kind of, you know, in the beginning, kind of guiding him a little bit and showing him, like, hey, bro, let's take some easy fights. You get your feet wet. He never wanted to do that. He's like, I, I want to know, if, you know, he was always like, I want to know if I can fucking do it. So give me the best guy you can, always. So when did you believe or realize that it could be a career for you? Um, really when Frankie started freaking winning and uh, and seeing what, what it could have been. Because before that, I mean, I fought in UFC, UFC 45. I think I made like 2000 bucks to fight. Um, I was fighting on shows in Atlantic City and stuff, making okay money. But it was never like I still had to work. I still had to do all that type of stuff, which everybody had to. You yeah. know, like if you were fighting, you either had a school or you had a job on the side. It's just what it was. But um, seeing him and being like, bum freaking right next to this guy every day doing the same stuff he's doing why not you know well, i mean you guys at that time the sport was so young and not that long ago but like nothing was paved out so it's a it was a huge no. risk i think for you guys to kind of pave the way now guys there's like this recipes from you frankie all the the guys that have been in it for a while that it's kind of less of a risk because you know there you could have a career in it, you know. Right, there's a, there's a potential and there's a possibility, and people know now that um, just getting in the UFC and even if you don't have a, a long career there, if you can attach yourself to the UFC name, you could do something afterwards with mm -hmm. it. Where where you know I started my, my first fight was in '99, where UFC had like I don't know eight or ten shows a year. We would wait till Sunday afternoon to watch the Pride fights because that was like the biggest thing. You know what I mean? Like, um, there was never a real thought of of finances in it, you know. Mm -hmm. And then it became it became what it was. And you see people. I mean, you you guys are a product of it. You know, like it's uh, you can make a life through it now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to to get to that point where you can make a living, you know, and not have to work. People think. If you're like a professional, you're making, you know, a living wage. You're not. <laughs> you're not. Even or in the UFC. What was it like for you to kind of reach the pinnacle of the sport? And was that the big stage a lot different for you? Um, no. I, 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 I'm not, um, I'm, I don't think I'm like, I'm definitely not fulfilled with my career. Um, what I, what I was um, able to do, I feel like I should have done more. I guess everybody's like that. I mean, Frankie's a freaking world champion. And he still feels like that, you know? Yeah. But, but um, it's such a grind to uh, not only win fights, you got to back them all up. Every fight you're paying off the last fight's freaking debt, you know, like, that's the whole, the, the whole gamble with fighting is to, in the beginning, especially is to win enough where, you start getting ahead in the game. You're not just constantly breaking even. Mm -hmm. And then, like, with a family and all this type of stuff, it's like, you know, it gets to the point where you're like, damn, bro, this is, you know. That's why the guys who have a family and all this stuff riding on it, there's a whole nother level of, of pressure that people don't get, you know. Because, you, you know, you stop one day, you're a freaking grown man. I mean, I, I retired when I was 30 because I saw, you know, I was fighting since I'm freaking 16. But, um you stop one day, you're a freaking grown man in your late thirties, early forties. And all you did was learn how to freaking punch, kick and take people down. That's scary. You know, like, what do you do with the rest of your life? You know? Well, it's, you're like an artist, you know, it's literally, you can't, it's scary to kind of 
base your survival of your family on, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it, it is. It's tough. And it, there's and no consistency or like security. The fight could be pulled out from under you at any given time. So unless you're right. really good at managing your money and making enough money too, um, then it's a little safer. But you always got to have a plan, exit plan too. But it, it's sad because so many people um, right. don't they they don't. It's hard to see past it because you have to be 100% committed when you're in it. So. Hundred percent. You're right. It's Is that an all why you thing. you retired and walked away from what? it? Was to, you needed more security for your family? Yeah, I I did, and uh, the very smart thing that my wife did was she never told me to retire, even though we were like, you know, we had two kids, we were living in somebody's basement. Um, I was going to work, you know, whenever I didn't have a fight. When I had a fight, I was wouldn't show up and and stuff like that. So she never once told me like, Hey, I think it's time that you hang them up just because she knew that I would always blame it on her. You know, for the rest of our life, I would, I would probably be like, you're the one that made me freaking stop. <laughs> so, uh, she did that. That was very smart for her to do, but I just got to the point where, uh, I got just, just got sick of it. You know, got sick of like being, uh, being a little rich for a weekend or a week or two when you win. And then all this stuff starts piling back on top of you. And you're like, you know, like, I didn't handle that stress very well. Mm-hmm. Like I, I fought my, my best fights when I didn't have that outside stress. You know what I mean? There's so much more um, beyond the, the physical aspect of fighting. You know, I think that's a big one, the instability. And I think also the instability in the sense of like, you never know when the fight's going to happen or not. Right, you it, never know what kind it could of not happen. judge, <laughs> or like a judge steals your fucking half your money from you because you don't know what he's watching. Yeah. Or, uh there's so much of that that people don't get. You know, you think like, "Ah, yeah, it was a bad decision," or whatever. We move on. Next fight, you just destroyed that guy's life. He's counting on that money. You know, like it, it's stuff like that. That's like, oof. so. Do you think um, fighters should just get one check, or do you do you like the win bonus? Sure. No, I think um, in the beginning, the idea of it, that it was going to make guys really go for it, uh, when it was a smaller crop of guys and guys knew that they had a job regardless, that that, that might have been good. But now there's always someone nipping at your heels. Yeah. So, you know, the promotion doesn't have to worry about these guys trying to just freaking pack it in to get a win because you see guys getting cut off of wins now. Yeah. So really just freaking pay these guys, let them have a little security. And uh, they're going to fight their ass off anyway. They want to, this is their career. Yeah. It's what they want to do, you know? Yeah. No, I, I think agree. it's fucking criminal. I agree. Well, one last thing. What What is fighting to you now? I know it probably evolves over time, but at, at this moment. Well, I always say, like, you know, um, I got into fighting because I was a fighter. I was a street fighter. I was a trouble kid. And then uh, through the process here, I turned into a martial artist. Mm-hmm. So for me, um, yeah, fight, fighting is just a, it's a way of life. It's, uh, it's what I do when I'm happy. It's when I do what I'm sad or I'm freaking uh, stressed out. It's, uh, it's my pastime with my friends, you know, it's, it's all this stuff. And, you know, it's, it's freaking good to know. Like, um, I always thought that when I was done competing, that I would be done with martial arts, you know, like, Hey, I, I grapple because I fight for money. And then when I don't fight for money anymore, I'm not going to do this anymore. Like why, you know, 
but I found myself when I retired that I still train like not as much, obviously, but I still train like as if I had you a fucking coach, a I still had a fight. Yeah, I still, yeah, I still grapple, I still spar here and there. I still, uh, I'm still on a regimen. It's just uh, it became who I was, you know. So I could say now that I'm I'm a martial artist for sure. I'm down with knife fighting. I could fight with sticks. I could, you know, could do most things here. Well, that's amazing. I mean, you are the definition of a martial artist because you have that passion for it. It's not like just training to fight. Like you're training right. for life. And I love to see that, that you still are enjoying it. When, when it's your job, like anything, right? When it's your job, I used to, in between fights, I used to like, couldn't wait till I didn't have to freaking just kill myself anymore. Cause I just killed myself and it was so much pressure and stress on it. Yeah. Um, when I retired and now, all that pressure and stress is off. It's back to being fun again. You know what I mean? It's back to yeah. like it always was, you know? Like I mean, you always be- seem like you're having fun and keeping it light. And I think that helps Frankie too, just having that lightness. Definitely. Definitely. And like me and Frankie have that, have that unique relationship where like, we're going to compete with each other for the rest of our lives. Don't matter if we're shooting a basketball, if we're fucking eating dinner, who eats first, who gets done first that um having somebody like that and just having that that in you where you always have that competitive drive that's huge man you see so many guys that lose that especially after they're done competing and it's like you lose a part of yourself you know oh my god yeah it like makes you feel alive i was just telling Corey that like let's do like a bowl league or something i i want to like (laughs) some way because i don't have that anymore and it's it makes you feel alive. I think it's a big part of it does. Know, your life. It's hard to let go of. So, and like regular life, regular life is boring. When you're a fighter, you always have, you know, sometimes it sucks. You always have this little thing in the back of your head, especially you have a fight coming up in two months. You're kind of half in the situation, half out thinking about your fight and all this other stuff. But when regular life comes up, it's like regular life is fucking boring, man. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like just getting up, going to work. I know what I'm getting paid. There's no, uh, you know, there's just no, um, there's no guesswork. You know what I mean? And uh, when you live so long like that, you start missing that stuff. The stuff you used to freaking hate at the time, but now you're like, damn, I don't get nervous anymore. You know what I mean? Like, well, I feel like know. it's our instinct, you know, to survive, and you get caught in this everyday monotony where you then you find things to stress about and worry about. And when you're doing something like jujitsu or any sort of combat sport, I think it reminds you like you know if you're used to fighting off a choke waiting a line at the dmv doesn't really bother you you know because you you literally know what it's like to try to survive so you're right you probably yeah somebody jujitsu you're practicing killing each other all day (laughs) yeah it's the truth though it's the truth and and like your body's just lighter after your your energy's lighter everything's lighter after you struggled like that you know totally well you're a good embodiment of that i i love to see that you still make time for me. a lot of people don't but um i appreciate you taking the time and sharing your story i've been wanting to hear it for a while and absolutely thank you thank you
Thanks again to Chris Ligori for taking the time and doing this interview. I love hearing different people's stories, and he's one that I wanted for a while because he's such a good storyteller and has such a positive energy. So I hope you guys enjoyed it. Like I did, more interviews and first fight stories to come. <laughs> 